Father, we just thank you for this evening. We just thank you for the praises, the praises of the men that were released from Iran. And we just lift up and thank and praise you for that. Just uh, thank you for seeing Dennis tonight and that things are going well. And we just praise you as he heals through that. Lord, we just just put our trust in you that as we talk about a difficult subject, that, Lord, that you'd always keep us sensitive to those around us, that we would be able to, in some small way, be able to help or identify that, God, that... um, prayer is that you would change men's hearts it would just change it that that this would go away just as we talked a little bit this morning that today was pro-life sunday and 1.1 million abortions every year worldwide and we have 1 million kids missing a year worldwide so lord just uh, as satan attacks we would just pray that you would work that your spirit would move and work in Work in men's hearts to be able to change this and be able to just show that you are the one true God. And that's what can help change them is to just humble themselves, confess their sin and reach out to you. Be with us tonight as we look at this and we thank and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. All right, I thought we'd do a little bit of review. Um, One thing I'd like to to share with you is, uh, I think I told you last week, Marjorie is going to look at at volunteering at Generate Hope uh, and teaching the young ladies on Financial Peace University, which is how to help handle their finances. And it's geared for high school girls. Uh, It's curriculum through Dave Ramsey. Um, And so if you're interested in volunteering for Generate Hope, There's an orientation that's coming up. You can go online and register. Uh, If you decide you do want to volunteer, you will have to go through a background check just to let you know. Uh, It's nothing too tough, but they do like to know who's coming in to volunteer with the girls. And it's only for women. Uh, They do not, I mean, um, and wherever the orientation will be, I think it's in Claremont or somewhere like that because the home is somewhere else in San Diego County. Uh, did some research last week. Apparently there are a couple other homes in the county, but not sure where they are. But usually if you reach out to Generate Hope, they will contact whoever it is that you need them to contact and they can steer them if they don't have room. So um, understandably, it's hard to find these homes because... They don't want the pimps to know where they are. So, um, And if in doubt, let me know, and we'll make sure you get in touch with the right people. But uh, just to let you know. So we're going to do a little bit of review. And um, so human trafficking is the fastest growing crime in America. Uh, We talked last week, really the number one, and in San Diego, the number one crime is drugs. This is number two. In San Diego, it's an $820 million revenue generator, mostly for gangs. Worldwide, it's $32 billion. California is the number one state for human trafficking cases. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Although I got, uh, I got a pop-up on my phone yesterday that they have found a way to scam the U.S. visa system. And so they are beginning to bring girls in from uh, outside the United States legally, or at least what appears to be legally. 
Um, teenagers are the most likely targets to be groomed and lured into prostitution and expo- uh, exploitation. And many targets are foster kids, homeless kids, runaway kids, and pregnant teens. They're, as we kind of talked last week, we said that they look for the vulnerability into the person they're trying to recruit. 60% of kids engaged in prostitution in the U.S. are from foster care system. 80% of homeless kids are from the foster care system. One out of three kids that run away will engage in survival sex within the first 48 hours of running away. Because they're looking for food, they're looking for shelter, they're looking for someone who can take care of them. And so, so many times, this is the only mechanism to be able to be taken care of. They can kind of earn their way. Um, 70% of kids in prostitution are accessed through social media. And I received, or I read the other day that, you know, even though they say a lot of teenagers and stuff are not using Facebook anymore, that they are finding ways that, um, Daryl, you may know, have you heard of the black web or what do they refer to? I guess there's a way in Facebook to be able to do this. And so that it is actually uh, being used. So I'm not as familiar with that as, as maybe some others are. Um, 70% of kids using social media believe they have a right to secrecy from their parents as to their online activity. In the FBI states, there's over 750,000 predators online at any time. And I receive every day countless emails and Facebook posts on kids that are missing. And some of them, they know that they have fallen into this. Others, and I think you've probably seen some from friends or acquaintances or people that you know that they're friends, that you see these 12, 13, 14-year-old girls who they say have been missing. Uh, Normally, they have probably been communicating with somebody online that turned out to be someone who was trying to recruit them. Um, So where does sex trafficking happen? You know, we know it happens in Los Angeles. We know it happens in New York. We know it happens in San Diego, Las Vegas, Miami, places like that. But what about Darlington, Wisconsin, population 2,451? There was a man that was arrested there with millions of pornographic, child pornographic images on his computer. Um... In Belfair, Washington's population 6,221 is 67-year-old man with a million images of child porn on his computer. Santana, El Cap, and middle schools. We talked a little bit last week about bottom girls. Bottom girls are ones that who have been recruited into sex trafficking and to get out of having to perform those acts, they become bottom girls. They go and they register at the high schools, in the middle schools, and they look for those individuals that are vulnerable, recruit them into sex trafficking. And so the more they do that, the less they have to, that's the way they earn their living is by recruiting other girls. And in this day and age, I I use girls a lot, but in this day and age, uh, they are so looking at at young men because with the rise of uh, LGBT 
and transgender and all that's going on, young men are also beginning to be targeted as well. But about 80% are usually female. So where do they get the images? We were talking about all these child porn images. Uh, we talked about some of the different things last week. You saw all of the, the sites that, you know, the, the chat rooms and all the different things. Actually, many times these are voluntarily sent. But it's after a relationship has been built. You know, they've gotten to know them. They think they're talking to another 12, 13, 14-year-old online, you know, and it's like, hey, send me a picture. Hey, send me this picture. And it just gets worse and worse. And so actually many times it's being given up voluntarily. So how do we recognize the signs of someone who may be in sex traffic? Or in human trafficking. Human trafficking is just about as bad. Um, persons accompanied by someone who seems to controlling or abusive. The person that, that they're with does not allow them to do anything without their permission. They don't, they, do they have to ask permission to eat, to sleep, or go to the bathroom? Is the person rarely allowed in public? Can they go out in public alone? You remember the case that got busted here, what's about two years now in Cleveland, Ohio? They'd been living there, what, 10 years in this house and the neighbors didn't know? Do people have more than one cell phone? Can you detect physical or psychological abuse? Is there someone else collecting their pay or holding their money for safekeeping? Basically, the person is with them has total control of them. And many times it's hard to run down because they basically run them from state to state to state, depending on, you know, the areas where something may be going on. And I said last week, the Super Bowl is one of the biggest events for sex trafficking. They bring girls in from all over the United States. To, to meet the needs of all of the fans that uh, are coming to, um, to the game. But Opal, will get more into that in February the 6th. Uh, she's been dealing with this for a long time. It's what who she built her organization on. And she helps train a lot of people on how to spot um, someone who's being uh, in sex trafficking. So I really encourage you to, to, on February 6th to come and, and hear what she has to say. She will be talking about the love trap and then seduced, the seduction of the American teenager. And so she'll be talking about that quite a bit. So don't talk to strangers. Is that what you teach him? Don't talk to strangers. You heard this, right? All kids were grown up. Don't talk with strangers. Um, there's a... Um, site out there, Omegle. I actually gave it the wrong name last week. Uh, and its tagline is, talk to strangers. You just pick someone at random and start a conversation. Starts innocently, send me a photo, you know, send me a photo showing a little more, send me a photo showing a little more as you build a relationship. It's amazing how people get so friendly online and they've never met this person. But think about this. Would you allow a stranger in your house to have access to your child 24-7? Yet today, many parents 
allow computers in the room unsupervised, the smartphones. I was up in San Francisco last week training some new salespeople and we were giving this guy his laptop and he holds up his smartphone. He says, I can't do it on here. I don't do it. I mean, that's how advanced these phones are. But just think about that. And I'm not saying that that teenagers shouldn't have smartphones, but parents need to be able to control and and set the expectation that there is no privacy as long as you have that phone. I remember my brother, um, his two daughters, the oldest, when she was the oldest grandchild, and she became a teenager, and uh, she went to him one day and she said, I need a deadbolt on my bedroom door. He said, what? She says, yeah, I need a deadbolt on my bedroom door. And he says, uh, Dawn, I just need you to understand something. As long as you live in this house, it is not a democracy. So no, you will not get a deadbolt. And yes, we will go into your room out of respect but we will go in your room when we think it is necessary. And there was a good, healthy relationship there. But take that to today. Dawn is 40 now. Take that to today with the smartphone. There's nothing wrong with the technology. You know, it's like a little bit this morning talking about the love of money. There's nothing wrong with money. It can be used for good, it can be used for bad. A smartphone, a tablet, a computer, it can be used for good or it can be used for bad. But as a parent or as someone who has teenagers or kids that you're allowing to have a phone, you have a responsibility to set parameters and say there is no expectation of privacy. And some of you may know there's a lot of apps out there that can hide everything in the world. It looks like a calculator, but it's not. You know, it's um, so you have to really kind of stay on top of some of this. So we were talking about Omegle. Omegle. This is this is their tagline off their website. It just says Omegle. Talk to strangers, and here's what it says right on the front of the website. Omegle is a great way to meet new friends. When you use Omegle, we pick someone else at random and let you talk one on one to help you stay safe. Chats are anonymous unless you tell someone who you are, not suggested. And you can stop a chat at any time. Predators have been known to use Omegle, so please be careful. If you prefer, you can add your interest, and Omega will look for someone who's into some of the same things, same things as you instead of someone completely random. Is that amazing? I mean, they are literally encouraging you to talk to strangers now i would want to use this and maybe give them the good news they probably wouldn't want to talk to me much longer after that so but i guess it can be used for good you can spread the good news through omegle but this is not something i don't think i would let my child use so um but we're going to take a look and we're going to just kind of look and see now towards as we go through this how we can impact culture. I wanted to view a little, kind of set that up a little bit. But now we want to take a look and kind of see first off through the video how we can affect culture from just, you know, where we are and who we are. So, uh, Steve, it's just a short six-minute video.
grace, hope, and fatherhood. Our hope against human trafficking. What hope do we have against human trafficking? Many sources say that there are more slaves today than ever before. Consider the statistics of human trafficking during the Atlantic slave trade. For 400 years, from 1500 to 1900, approximately 12 million Africans were forced from their homes into slavery. Compare this to human trafficking today. Estimates put the number of slaves to be 27 million worldwide. Before the Civil War, the average price of a slave was about $50,000 in today's money. Today, the average price of a slave worldwide is about $90. Before the Civil War, the nearly 4 million slaves living in the U.S. had a market value of close to $4 billion. Today, human trafficking is a $32 billion per year criminal enterprise. What's behind all this? Slavery is fundamentally an economic phenomenon. Throughout history, slavery has existed where it has been economically worthwhile to those in power. Jenny Bourne. One advisor to the UN says human trafficking is, quite simply, the exploitation of human beings for profit. Ann T. Gallagher. Human trafficking is exploiting another's labor, labor trafficking, body, sex trafficking for profit. The Bible says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 What hope do we have against human trafficking? We have a gospel that changes culture by changing lives. In Paul's day, Ephesus was riddled with idolatry and was the epicenter for worshipping the Greek goddess Artemis. Paul's ministry changed culture by changing lives. Demetrius, the silversmith, opposed Paul's work. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. Acts 19, 25-27 Despite the protests, the gospel was changing culture by changing lives. Others have changed culture by changing lives. For 26 years, William Wilberforce led the parliamentary campaign against the British slave trade. Eventually, the Slave Trade Act of 1807 was passed, abolishing the slave trade in the British Empire. Wilberforce wrote in his journal about his calling. On Sunday, October 28, 1787, the entry reads, God Almighty has set before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the Reformation manners. As odd as it sounds, both are crucial to combat human trafficking. The BBC notes in an online article about Wilberforce, Most of England had become unchurched by the 18th century, and Wilberforce was determined to draw people back into the Christian faith. But he didn't just want to return to a Christianity limited to church on Sundays. He wanted them to embrace a Christianity that would change the whole fabric of British society. 
What he really wanted to do was to reform manners, not social customs, but the way in which people thought of virtue. Nowadays, we might call that a project for making goodness fashionable. Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10 Jesus wants us to pray for cultural renewal. Cultural renewal requires God's Spirit. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Zechariah 4.6 Cultural renewal requires visionary leaders. God works through people. People like Wilberforce. People like the Apostle Paul. People like you. How do we eradicate human trafficking? Consider the parable of the Manchineel tree. It's the most poisonous tree in the world. It's native to the Western Hemisphere, particularly Florida, the Bahamas, the Caribbean, Central America, and Northern South America. But the Manchineel tree has become endangered. Why? Habitat encroachment. People are planting other plants that are crowding out the Manchineel tree. Habitat encroachment works in the spiritual realm, too. It's another way of saying reformation of manners. It's another way of saying changing culture by changing lives. By winning people to Christ and planting more churches, evil has less room to operate. The church needs more men and women to speak out against human trafficking. And the church needs more men and women to speak up for Christ. Our hope is a gospel that changes culture by changing lives. This is how we will prevent and eradicate human trafficking. So culture, basically, customary beliefs, social forms, material traits of a racial, religious, or social group, it's also the characteristic features of everyday existence shared by people in a place or time. What are things just, I mean, if you're just watching the news in just the last couple of weeks, what are some things that are affecting culture today? Politics, always. Terrorism. Media. Schools depending on what schools your kids go to. Yeah, I mean, it, that's why I say it depends. Yeah, it depends. Uh, you know, movies. Movies today. Uh, watching football today, and there was an ad that came on for, and I think I mentioned this before, there's a new TV series that's coming on Fox, Channel 5. It's called Lucifer. We make the bad look good. Now, you know, just from looking at the ad, they're making Lucifer look like a good guy so far. I mean, um, but it's, you know, it's something that you see over and over and over again. Um, but we did. There we go. Um, the, the short video talked about uh, Wilberforce and you know he had an uphill battle I don't know if you saw the movie that came out a couple years or so ago it was actually pretty good it may have been two or three years ago uh, but it was about Wilberforce and his um, trying to end slavery in the in in England and trying to get that passed through Parliament 
And, you know, he really was, that was just something that God laid on his heart, that this was wrong to take advantage of man like this and to be selling people into slavery. And he actually became successful. But it was only after he worked really hard to do that. And sometimes it was just talking to one person at a time. It's just, just kind of like what we need to do when we're talking to people about Jesus Christ. We just talk to people one person at a time and share with them the good news. It talked about Apostle Paul in Acts. And I'll read that again. It says he called, this is, um, obviously he was preaching against the idols and um, where he was in Ephesus. Or, so it says he called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income. And this is one of the guys that makes the idols from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that the gods made by human hands are no gods at all. And there is not only danger that our trade will lose its good name, but also the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped through the province of Asia and the world and will be robbed of her divine majesty. And so they're worried about the money they're losing. Really didn't matter, you know, if the gods were gods or not. I don't think the guy really cared, although as long as his money and his income was protected, that's what he, he cared about. Um, there was someone that had an effect on teenagers in the 80s and uh, music, and he was right here in San Diego County. How many remember Al Coney? No, Al Coney. He lived up like in Carlsbad or somewhere, but he literally convinced teenagers to burn their albums, their rock and roll albums. And I know some of you are going, oh, do you know how much money those things are worth today? Because these were LPs. But that's what he did. He went and he talked about and brought out and, and had them read the lyrics of some of the songs and talk to them about that this is not music that was glorifying God. And he, you know, started out talking to, to youth groups and things like that. He hooked up with Josh McDowell and even went to universities and stuff. He's not as active today as he used to be, uh, but he was, he was a pretty big thing. And he affected young people back then as to a change in what they should be listening to and, and, you know, even today, um, there's, um, <laughs> well, it's, it, people I work with, I hear them talk about some of the music they listen to, and it's like, personally, it's not stuff I would listen to, but they do. Um, they probably wouldn't like it if they got in my car, because I either have a CD on of Christian music, or I'm listening um, to K-Love. You know, K-Love moved. It's on 102.1. You can get it a lot better now than when it was up in Julian. So um, that or I have my smartphone hooked up that I can listen through through my radio. So, But yeah, Alman Coney, he had an impact on, on young kids back then. Um, so impacts to culture. Uh, this is the impact that Christianity's had over time. Science rose in the, in the West and not in the East. Because Christianity was, was, was gaining in the West. 
Whitehead and Oppenheimer insisted that modern science could not have been born except in Christian milieu. milieu. Uh, many pioneering scientists, not only were they theists, but they were Christians. Newton, Pasteur, Kepler, Paschal, uh, Fleming, and Edwards. Could you say that today? Do you think most scientists today are Christians? I wouldn't think so. Not with uh, everything that's going on and what they're teaching. Um, more impacts. The Puritans were 95% literate, so they encouraged people to learn how to read. If they knew how to read, then they could learn. And that's what I used to always tell my kids. If you learn to read and you learn to read well, you can learn anything you want to know. You don't have to have someone teach you, but you need to learn and need to be able to learn and comprehend the university movement and quest for knowledge. A hundred out of the first 110 universities in America were founded for the express purpose of propagating the Christian religion. And the American university emerged from American seminaries. Christianity has had an impact. It has an impact today. And you and I can have an impact, even if it's one person at a time. One person at a time. So, how can the church impact culture? Pull this out of 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Final instructions. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Within the church, as long as we're building one another up, edifying each other, holding each other accountable, that we're learning that, you know, Pastor Bill teaches verse by verse, book by book, chapter by chapter. And as you learn and grow in the Lord, and we can, you know, love each other, get to know each other, support each other, hold each other accountable, that the church becomes stronger so that when someone walks through that door that's really hurting we can come alongside them we can pray with them or we can show grace like this morning when we were looking at the prodigal son the pharisees would have wanted that father to shun his son but his this father showed grace he ran up to him he hugged him he kissed him the son was humble he repented and confessed And that's what we need to do when we run across young people like this that are hurting. They need something. And we have something that they need. But we need to show that we love them and can come alongside them and help them. Because even though, like this morning, in the prodigal son, that kid messed up. I mean, he basically wanted, he he told his father, I wish you were dead. He took all of his money and he ran off to a foreign land. He squandered all that money. And then he comes back. 
He's humbled himself. He confessed to his father that what he had done wrong and his father loved him, did not expect restitution and basically took him back into the family because he had a repentant heart. He confessed. And that's what we can give any young people and that we always need to be on our guard as to how we treat people around us. Um, that's showing grace. Grace at the right time for the right reason. And that's what we need to do. So as a church, that's what we need to be looking at is how can we show these young people grace if they happen to walk into our, into our church are we going to be judgmental or are we going to embrace them and help them and talk to them and share with them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? So how can you impact culture? Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl? Instead, they put, it on and they put it on a stand and it gives its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And we're not saved by works. But anytime we come across people and talk to them, they should see Christ. They should see the hope that's in us. And we should not be bashful to not share with that. Share that. That... If someone is there and you're talking to them and the moment opens up, share the good news. Share the hope that you have that you've been given by coming to know Jesus Christ. And that will impact culture. It may, like I said, it may be one person at a time, but you can impact culture. Because um, you could, you know, you could do this and, and you reach one person for Jesus Christ. And then that person goes out and reaches someone for Jesus Christ. And then they each go out and reach someone for Jesus Christ. It just begins to mount that, uh, you know, all the, all the uh, outreach evangelical crusades is wonderful. But where the work is really done is one-on-one. And when they come to know, you have an opportunity then to disciple them and help them grow up to know Jesus Christ and get to be more like him. So how do we fight it? One, pray, pray, pray. Keep, you know, you don't know the names of these, you don't know the names of these young girls and these young boys, but pray for them because God knows who they are. God knows who they are. Pray. How can we impact our community with Christ? Ask yourself that. What is it I can do that I can impact my community for Christ? You know, it doesn't always necessarily have to be a lot. Sometimes it's a small things because, you know, you look at the fishes and the loaves and look what Christ did with that. If you're willing to step out there and step out there for Christ, God will take over and make it a big thing. Paul says in Ephesians 6, and this is something that we should do, is put on the full armor of God. Let's see, Galatians, Ephesians, I always say Gentiles eat pork chops. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. 
He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Wait, Monday. Oh, that's chapter 4. I guess if I was in chapter 6, we'd be reading the right verses. I did that last week too, didn't I? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against evil, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's what it is. Because really, the pimps, the, the bottom girls, they all need Christ too. It's not just, it's just not the, the, the young men and young women, they're forcing into sex slavery. The pimps and, and the bottom girls, they all need Christ too. We're fighting Satan. That's who we're fighting. And the only way you can do that is by putting on the full armor of God. And in verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So the first says, pray, pray, pray. Pray that God will work through you. Pray for these young people that have been trapped up in sex slavery. Pray that God will use you to reach out and touch these lives. And, and study and pray and read the word of God. So that you can be prepared. What, when is the enemy most likely to attack? I actually had a, had a pastor tell me one time, he's a good friend of mine in Atlanta. He told me that Satan will attack you where you think you were the strongest. You let your guard down. So you should always be on your guard. What do you see are the main spiritual problem underlying the trafficking of persons? What are some of the, what are some of the main underlying things? Talked a little bit about it this morning. Money. Money is the root of all evil. It is not the evil because it's, it's, it can't do anything. But it's the love of money. And that's what's driving this is money. You see it in today. I mean, it is just money has, has become a mighty God in, in not only in this country but in the world. And that is a driving force behind everything. What can we do to impact culture around us instead of culture impacting the church? And that's something that, you know, Pastor Bill and Eric and other leaders in the church, that is something that they continually guard against, is not allowing culture to creep in and impact what's going on in the church. Uh, they're always on the lookout, and you should be too, of anyone that would bring in anything other than the true word of God. And in Philippians 1, it says, Courage is defined not as the absence of fear, but, what, what, but doing what's right 
in the spite of fear. And that's, that's kind of a test. You know, are you willing to step out there? You know, I think, um, you know, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt, you know, Moses parted the sea. And they stepped and crossed on dry land. When Joshua took them into the promised land, what did, they, what did the priest have to do first? They had to step into the Jordan and then it parted and they walked across on dry land. They had faith. They had to have, I always call it that step of faith. They had to have that step of faith. And that's what we should do any time that we're afraid. Step out in faith and trust God that God will carry you through whatever needs to be done. So... We only had one lesson tonight, so it's a little shorter. But any questions or anything before we close? Gary? Yeah, kind of like uh, the video that you did. If you go online, you can see the video. Daryl posted the, the presentation from last week, and you can click on the video and see it. But basically what they do, and a lot of times new students are good targets for this, because when you as a new student go to a school where you know no one, because like at Santana, I think there's like 2,000 high school students at Santana. So you're a brand-new student. You step on campus. You know no one. You are vulnerable. So the bottom girls will identify individuals like this and they will befriend them, you know. And so you kind of get relaxed and it's like, oh, gee, you know, somebody's being really friendly. Um, yes. Is that also an avenue where the, the police have suspicions to go and maybe find out who's doing this? Because they have to list where they're living in all. They have to be in certain districts, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, well, and it's if they can, you know, prove who they are. But like I say, the, the police, the police and the district attorney, they're, they're becoming very educated on this. They're having, in fact, as much as I see people when I get the, the post on Facebook or I get the emails that I get, uh, as much as I see that there are, are girls or young boys missing, I see things where they have actually rescued girls, um, from, you know, things. And it's through different sting operations that they've done uh, to be able to, you know, locate these girls or, or do that. Actually, my son um, knew uh, a young girl that, that got trapped like this. She had been talking to a guy online. She lived in Tierra Santa. She'd been talking to a guy online. She thought it was just some 16-year-old guy. And he said, hey, why don't you uh, meet me at the mall? And she did. She was gone for about two months. Thank God the family was able to rescue her. They were able to find her. Uh, but it took some healing. It took some healing. It had to be. And, and that's a point from this morning, looking at the father and the grace that he had toward his son on return. Think about a daughter that has been gone two, three, four, five, six months and has been involved in this and we said last week that they're expected to bring in a thousand dollars a day and that is between 35 and 40 acts with different men every day you know as a father put your put yourself as a father in that place 
and your daughter is coming home after going through this, what is your response? What is your response? Even with the terrible mistakes that she has made, is it grace or is it condemnation? Yes. So do they have programs for the parents to go to and how to respond to children who have been in these situations? Yes, and Opal Opal speaks to that uh, very well because she's involved in in a lot of that. In February the 6th, it's a Saturday from 9 to noon. Yes. And she is actually going to talk about that on the 6th. That will be part of what she talks about. Because the first thing she's going to do is she's going to talk uh, for about an hour on the love trap. How you get involved in all of this and some of the other things. And then um, she will uh, give some ideas of what we can do. What you can actually do. We will take a break for about 30 minutes. We'll have snacks and there will be a round table that we can discuss some of these things and then come back for the second half of what she has to present. But she will be able to actually give you some great suggestions and things that you can actually do depending on, you know, what your resources are. Uh, no, it's, it's more to kind of take a look at the subject and in the grace that we need to show and kind of look at how we respond. Because um, Patty did mention, do some of the girls go back home? Yes, they do. Uh, some do not have stable homes to go back to. The homes they came from would not be something you would want to return them to. And that's why there are places like Generate Hope uh, who do house these girls, who help them get their high school education, give them some life skills and things like that. Well, I, so. Yeah, I understand that. Right. Yes, the goal is the goal is always to to return if if they have a stable home to return them to home. Megan? Um yeah, Megan <laughs> says isn't sometimes pregnant girls targeted? Yes, because depending on the response from say the home life you know, do the girls run away or, you know, are they kicked out of the home or, you know, what? Um, sometimes, you know, they end up getting involved in this. The babies are born and they turn the babies over to Child Protective Services to be adopted out. Or, you know, California has the, uh, what do they call it, safe child law or whatever. We can drop them off at the fire station or somewhere like that. 
Um, so it's, it, you know, there's a lot of different things. Some of them raise the kids. They keep the kids and raise them. Um, but it's not exactly the best environment to, to be in. So, yes. Right. They pray on the, um, you know, the innocent. And um, what they're teaching their children as well is if you get a hold of a person and they're, they're telling you these things, do not be afraid to go home and tell mom and dad. Right. What's ever, ever going to hurt you? And they're, they're stressing yeah. that on their children as well, which is pretty much worth that. Yeah. Yeah, the from, uh, the love tra- yeah the love trap that that Opal will present and talk about is something that she does take into the high schools and stuff because they do need to and I think it came up last week they do need to educate the kids that this is happening you know it's uh, you know it's it's always been a dangerous world I think it's even more dangerous today uh, just because of you know a lot of things that are going on I mean technology is great uh, sometimes. Um, but again, it's like money. It depends. Is it being used for good or is it being used for bad? You know, so, um, and it's, you know, it's not that teenagers can't have phones or smartphones or tablets, but it's like anything else that you give a child, you know, are you teaching them the responsibility of how to use it? Because it is a big responsibility. Uh, pornography has just exploded since the internet. Because it's so accessible. It is just so accessible. Just a few clicks of a button. And, I mean, you have more garbage than you'd ever want to see. Um, so you always have to be on guard. You know, it's, you always have to be on guard. Exactly. Exactly. It's, yeah. And it's uh, what we always tried to, you know, instill in our kids growing up is that you know, come to me about anything. Sometimes I may <laughs> get upset, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. And we can talk through this. And, um, you know, I would say probably most of the time they did, but now that they're 30 and 33 and we're sitting around the table talking, I can tell you they didn't come to me every time something came up. So <laughs> they feel a little braver now that they're in their 30s that they can say these things. So, um but it's, you know, it is, it is a fact of life. And it's, uh, but it is, we tried to, to have a safe environment for our kids to talk. Uh, but sometimes, no matter how you assure them that they can, they may not always. Um, so I think help educating them through some of the things that are going on in, like I say, the schools and the police and a lot of different organizations now are looking at this whole subject differently than they used to. And, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Um, it's, but it is a huge moneymaker right in behind drugs. So any more comments or questions before we close? Eric. Yes. Yeah, I, I read about this last year that they said, because it, it was at New York or it was in the, the Giants Stadium, 
the Super Bowl last year was at the Giants Stadium because they, they were worrying about a big snowstorm or something. But there was an article after the Super Bowl talking about all of the extra undercover police and sting operations and everything that goes on. They're training hotel staff, I mean, everything to look for any signs that they could that this is possibly happening. But, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, it's, you know, it's like drugs. You know, drugs, just they just are very easily obtained. And so, um, but as more and more people become aware and are looking for it and trained and what to look for, then they, you know, hopefully can put, you know, put more of a stop to it. But really, from our viewpoint, part of it is we really need to be reaching Christ. We need to be reaching hearts because it's going to continue. And if it's not this, it's going to be something else. And so we need to really stand and be bold and share Christ with those when the door opens. We need to step through that door and share Christ with those individuals. Um, And they may not accept it. They may not accept it. But, you know, you've done what you've been asked to do, and that's share the good news. They've heard it. Now they have a decision to make. You know, do I believe this or don't I believe this? Anything else? Okay, I think next week we have two lessons, so they'll be a little bit longer, but let's pray. Father, just thank you for this evening, and I would just pray that you continue to put on our hearts how we can reach young people and just identify sex trafficking. But Lord, keep our hearts open. God, help us to show grace to those that we may come in contact with. That, God, that um, we don't know all the circumstances that they may be in and they may be looking to get out. And we would just hope that our hearts or minds are open, that we can reach them, share the good news, and just get them back safe and on a road to learn more about you and to be trusting you and to know that you are there as their Lord and Savior. God, we just thank you and praise you. And as we go through the rest of this month, and especially on February the 6th, we would pray that you just be with Opal as she shares what's on her heart and how we can combat this and maybe what our role is in being able to help put an end to this. But Lord, we would just pray again that you help us take those opportunities to share your your son, Jesus Christ, with those that we come in contact with that we can impact culture one person at a time. And we do thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.